join us, Sarah and Georgia, as we help you get to grips with money and take control of your finances in a fun and simple way. We talk all things money from investments, pensions and benefits to your mindset of our money and steps we can take to improve your relationship with money. Together, we've got this. Hi, this is episode 24 of the Money Confidence Podcast. On this episode, it is just me as Georgia is away on holiday for two weeks. And last week, I wasn't feeling too well. So we didn't record it last week. So I thought this week, I'll just tell you a bit about me and a bit of background story. And I split, split my story into two. And the beginning part of my story is what happened quite a while back, like seven years ago. But the last part is more recent. So I feel like it would be easier to tell the first part and work my way up to the last part. So I have twin boys and they're seven now. And then having twin boys, you know, is the best thing that happened to me. But for years after I had them, I felt like I was drowning financially and emotionally. Um, so in November 2014, Luke, my partner, um, and I completed on our first ever home. Um, and at the time I was in hospital and my twin boys were in the neonatal intensive care unit. So on the, on the 16th of November at around seven o'clock, I was sat at home. It was a Sunday evening and my water suddenly broke and I could see the umbilical cord and I knew, I knew something was wrong, but I wasn't too sure what what it meant. Um, it was an umbilical cord prolapse. Luke rang the labour line, which we just heard about that day. And within eight minutes, the ambulance had arrived. I was blue lighted to hospital and I had an emergency C-section. I remember waking up and I, I was in so much pain. I wasn't allowed to see my boys that night and I had to wait until the morning to see them. And it was the longest night I've ever had. And I just remember hearing like moans of people in beds around me. And the following day, I was wheeled down to see the boys in neonatal, in the neonatal unit. Um, and they just looked so small. They, they looked so small lying in incubators and had these oxygen and feeding tubes attached to them. And I wasn't allowed to hold them. I just remember sitting in the wheelchair and I just cried my eyes out. I couldn't stop crying. And then about a week later, I was out of hospital, but I spent every day in the hospital in a neonatal unit. I was had to take taxis or the bus because I couldn't drive because I'd had the C-section. From what I remember, I spent a lot of the time hooked up to an electric breast pump. And I remember giving the nurse my container of express milk to store in the fridge and she just looked at it and she said is that it and uh, I, and I just felt really inadequate and, and uh, guilty and like I couldn't even do like a basic thing neonatal unit was full of premature twins especially identical twin boys like my boys I think there's something in the water where I live but everyone, everyone around me seemed to be breastfeeding without a problem. As one mum was producing what seemed enough milk to feed the entire neonatal unit. 
I just, I just couldn't do it. And I mean, tr- I've really tried, um, but I, and I felt like such a failure and unable to provide like such a basic thing for my boys. And I just remember thinking, I just remember feeling really alone like in, in, in a world where everyone seemed to be doing like the right thing and so effortlessly. And I seemed to be the only one that couldn't do it. I seemed to be the only one that was, uh, that was having problems. Like, that's really finding it difficult. So I, I, I'd been trying for about two weeks. I was in a neonatal unit coming in every day and it just was getting harder. It wasn't getting any easier. And, um, I just remember one day I was, when I was trying to breastfeed my boys, the consultant who had delivered the boys, who had delivered the twins, she came over to me and she looked at me. She told me, she told me it's okay to stop breastfeeding and, and that she used formula when her children were young and that they're absolutely fine and healthy and, and it didn't make me a bad mum. She told me that mum guilt is just part of being a parent and that my well-being was more important. And I think it was, it was significant for me that it was a consultant who told me this because she was an expert in a field. You know, she was, she was pivotal in saving my son's life when I had the C-section. When she said that to me, I just felt so relieved. I felt it was okay not to keep trying and not to do what everyone else was doing around me. And this, the pressure and the guilt I was feeling subsided. I didn't feel so inadequate and I was just so grateful for her advice. But this thing that happened to me, this, this, how I felt in the neonatal unit and the help, the advice that this, the consultant gave me and how, and what a big impact that had on me got me thinking about money and finance and and I mean when I'm not we're not told about motherhood at school we're not told about how to be parents at school you're just expected to know about it and you look around you and see what other mums are doing and, and in my case everyone was breastfeeding and and the nurse was visibly disappointed that I'd not produced enough milk and then I've ended up feeling like I was failing I was failing the most important people in my life and it's the same with money. We're not taught about money at school, yet we're supposed to know how to manage it properly. And you're looking at you look at everyone else, and it seems like everyone's got got it sorted. They've got a house, they've got the car, they've got the lifestyle. It's like all these mums looking like they've got it sorted, and you feel alone and inadequate, and 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 you don't ask for help because you should know it, right? You should have it sorted like everyone else. But everyone else is just trying to do their best and trying to live up to the expectations that society puts on us. And it's perfectly okay not to know what to do or to do things differently. And you're not alone. You may feel alone. A society makes you think that everyone's got it sorted and it should be a certain way, but you're not alone. And there are so many others in the same boat as you. By having the proper knowledge, guidance and support, we can release ourselves of the pressures and expectations that have been placed on us and start to find our own path. We no longer feel alone or have the guilt of doing things wrong and can find a way that works for us. And really, I just think it's so important to 
not feel not feel ashamed or inadequate for not knowing what you're doing. It's okay not to know what you're doing. Most of us don't know what we're doing. We're just guided by societal expectations. And getting getting the proper information and support and the guidance is really important because it can help you. It can really help you. I don't think it's easy. I don't think it's easy to to ask for help. I know you should ask for help, but I don't think it's easy to ask for help. I don't know whether I'd have asked for help. Because I was just lucky that the consultant came over to me and gave me the advice that she did. But that's why I want to help. I want to help others. I want to help others who are maybe scared or afraid to ask for help about help with money, like they think they should know it, because people expect you to know it. But no one's been taught. Be no one's been taught it. So that's what I want to help others have the information and the resources to be able to make these decisions for themselves. Not to make decisions based on what other people are doing, but to make it for themselves. But I think it's also important to have the support there, the support of other people, because then you don't feel so alone. That is my story um and next week because george is still on holiday next week but next week i'm going to tell i'm going to share the next part of the next part of my story with you and I, I mean i just hope it helps someone just you know even if it's just one person out there that's listening i hope i hope it helps because i feel there's a lot of like judgment and shame on things like this like we should know these things and and we don't um and it's okay it's okay that you don't. Everyone's learning. We just need to go easy on ourselves. Um, but yeah, so next week I'll be sharing the second part of my story. And then the following week, Georgia will be back. And it will be back to our usual podcast. But I hope I hope it's been useful. And, it, and if anyone's got any comments or any, anyone resonates with anything that I've said, please do let me know. There's an email in the show notes and it's podcast at thegoodmoneycoach.com. I would love to hear from you. And if you do want support, guidance and free information, then sign up to my emails. Um, I send a weekly email on a Thursday. Um, If you go to the website, thegoodmoneycoach.com, coach.com it's also in the show notes and then you'll just you'll see where you can sign up for the newsletter it's at the bottom of the page the home page so yeah i will see you next week for the second part of my story so take care look after yourself and i will see you then okay bye all views expressed in this podcast are our own and not our employers The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. Investments can go down as well as up and you might not get back the amount you put in, especially if you take your money out too early. Investments may be subject to tax. The impact of taxation and any tax reliefs depends on your circumstances.